this is something I feel like that affects every single one of us in one way or another. And if it doesn't, if it hasn't yet, then it certainly will in the future. As our parents age, as illnesses come up, it's just, it's something that we all have to deal with. Hello, and welcome to the Caring Congregation podcast, where we seek to educate and equip pastors and congregational care ministers to develop and implement congregational care ministry and to provide ongoing training and resources to existing care ministries. I'm Reverend Laura Berg, and with me today are members of the National Team for the Caring Congregation. I'm Reverend Joy Dister Dominguez. And I'm Reverend Karen Lampy. And on today's episode, we are talking about the importance of caring for the caregiver. So often, uh, we as pastors and laypersons uh, get involved in the care ministries within our church and in our communities, and we are discovering that there is a definite need to be caring for those who are the caregivers. And so we're going to be discussing that today, and um, uh, I'd kind of like to begin with just the experience that I know that some of our uh, lay congregational care ministers uh, were having as they were ministering to people, they discovered that a lot of the um, uh, persons they were visiting who were either ill or in the hospital had loved ones who were feeling like they were on a solo mission of caring for their loved one. And they began to, sc- to discover some of the burnout uh, that these caregivers were having. And out of that birthed uh, a a support group for caring for the caregivers and allowing the opportunity for them to express their feelings, uh, to, to, to be honest ab- about some of the struggles they were having, even discussing how they were coming up against some limitations on support in the community, you know, and needing to find other outside resources uh, available to them specific to the person they were caring for, but also specific to their own self-care. So we're going to be discussing uh, how we can um you know, as caregivers, help implement opportunities for people to uh, really tune into their own need for self-care. Yeah, so. That's so important. Yeah. This is something I feel like that affects every single one of us um, in one way or another. And if it doesn't, if it hasn't yet, then it certainly will in the future. As our parents age, as illnesses come up, um, it's just... It's something that we all have to deal with. Um, I see it now with my parents and as they are caring for my grandmother, who's 97 years old, and the the toll that it can really take. They love her so deeply, and yet it's hard. It's frustrating. And I think there's so much um, emotional um, uh, emotions that come with it as well. I mean, even just seeing from my dad's perspective, seeing his mom grow old and what she's not able to do anymore. Um, what other experiences have you guys had with with caring for caregivers or just uh, um, experiencing caregivers and their fatigue? That's the word I think right there, Joy, is exhaustion, fatigue, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. I think there's just a... a 
you begin to hit a wall and you almost, I think, want to deny it because, oh my goodness, how dare you, the caregiver, (laughs) call upon a time when you might need to get some self-care yourself or to step back a minute, let others step in. Um, And I think for some folks, it almost gets to the place where they are exhausted. And then out of that exhaustion, sometimes comes the negative feelings that we Mm -hmm. then, you know, make ourselves feel so bad about, like, like, I'm resenting the fact that I have no time for myself. I'm resenting that I've lost my own identity, uh, as I've as I've taken on more of this caregiving. And that gets um, uh, enmeshed with those other feelings of, I love this person, I'm committed, I've made this pledge to be with this person in sickness and in health, or, or, you know, or, uh, you know, this is my parent who I love, or my child who needs me. And then we don't know what to do with those negative emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we don't, we don't feel like we should even mention them. And so sometimes what we do is we isolate and, and we don't let those who are on the outside looking in or wanting to offer help um, know those raw feelings. Because I think, especially for those of, of us with, um, you know, with faith backgrounds or, or on a faith journey, we sure don't want to give the impression that we're backsliding or we're, we have weak faith, um, you know, when, when honestly it, it is out, rooted out of that exhaustion. Sure. Um, you know, that those negative feelings are birthed. So, um, and I think every caregiver needs a safe space to express that and to be validated in that. I think that's one of the things that we can do as pastors and as congregational care ministers is just validate, like, and I see you, like, I see what you're doing is hard um, and you're doing so well. You're doing so well. Um, I also wonder if we can provide specific things that we can help with, you know, instead of asking that open-ended question of, you know, let me know if there's anything I can do for you, (laughs) you know, because who's really going to call and say, Hey, yeah, there is something you can do for me. But instead like, Hey, can I come and sit with your loved one for a couple hours so that you can just go, go for a walk, go, go to the store, go do something for yourself. Um, Offer specific things um, that you can help with. Um, let me take let me take Johnny to the to the doctors today. You know, uh, let me let me do that so that you don't have to. You can just you know maybe take a nap. <laughs> um, you know, Joy. Along with that, I think as churches too. I mean, you're talking individually what you can mm-hmm. do individually as churches to be able to provide a safe place where caregivers might come even in a Zoom room and express what they're going through and then say, you know, here's who I have been able to call on. Um, This is a good group to get extra support or um, encourage each other with self-care as far as exercise, Um, maybe even just exchange good recipes you know, so that you can just the whole life cycle kinds of things. So you can just do life together as caregivers. But if you provide that space as um, as a church, 
that's one more step, I think, that the, that the congregational umbrella can really provide that kind of support ministry. We hope that you're enjoying this episode from The Caring Congregation. Check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com, for additional resources and information on how you can join us for an upcoming webinar or host your own seminar to train and equip your care ministry team and pastors. We also have two books out, A Care Minister's Manual and Implementation Guide, released by Abington Press. You can purchase through Abington, Cokesbury, or Amazon. Now, back to our conversation. We began a um, chair yoga ministry at our church and invited those that we knew uh, were participating in the care for the caregiver support group to attend that. So that's kind of one of the things you're talking about, Karen, is you you can have the support group, which is very, very important. It allows them to make a connection with people who are going through sometimes similar experiences and sharing those uh, similar emotions and and spiritual and physical and emotional fatigue, um, but the but you know I think one of the if there's those you know gifts that come out of a pandemic when we have had to shelter um, some of those yoga classes I I spoke with a yoga instructor actually this morning whose class is continuing and you know those those are ways that people have an opportunity to either do a guided exercise program for our caregivers, um, or possibly even, um, if not an exercise, some type of meditative um, experience that can be shared. And, and there are all kinds of resources out there for linking into those meditations that we can provide through our churches uh, and our care ministries for our caregivers that they can do right there. Because oftentimes, you know, what we would hear was, well, I can't really leave Susie or, or, or my mother, I can't, I cannot, I can't even get away for 15 minutes. How can I come into a support group? How in the world would I have time to do exercise in a gym? Mm -hmm. You know, so these are ways we can really be strategic about developing these ways through zoom and all of our other tech, technology to connect and give people these opportunities for great self care. Mm -hmm. You know, here's the caveat, too. I think so many times the caregivers themselves need help with technology. Sure. <laughs> you know, they, um, they're so busy doing the physical kinds of things that to be technologically savvy to even know how to get on a Zoom. Um, and, and as a church, again, to be able to walk them through or to provide instructions um, isn't just one more way to make sure they're getting enough um, support themselves. Um, just yesterday, I was listening to Brene Brown's, um, one of her 20-minute teachings, and she was talking about how knowing yourself during these COVID times or normal times, whatever it is, but knowing yourself as an introvert or an extrovert, um, you've got to be able to have some self-understanding as a caregiver. You know, are you, what are your needs and mm-hmm. 
that's where, again, um, <laughs> do caregivers even have the time to have any introspection? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That's sure. right. And they're just living through it. Yeah. And, and I wonder, that's where, as a congregational care minister or as a pastor, you can have those conversations with with the caregiver. You know, what do you need in this time? You know, uh, helping them to discover, are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? And what is it that you need? How do you recharge? Um, and, and asking those questions that, that will help them to think through. Because you're right. Many times people just don't stop to identify what is it that I need in this moment, in this space, and in this season. You know, I think, too, helping them as a pastor or a CCM, um, helping the caregiver really have a safe space to unload a little bit. And that takes building relationship. Sure. sure. You know, we need to take time as pastors of CCMs with those caregivers and just um, over the phone or whatever it is to build the trust relationship so that they know that we're here. Um, well, I- you know, I, I think added to that, Karen, is is what we stress so much about within the congregational care ministry platform is getting to know one another. That means sharing our stories. And and I often I oftentimes think we're so ready to offer all of our helps to uh, those who are in need that we don't take time to stop and first of all build that relationship, but listen to the full story. So mm-hmm. caring for the caregiver is an opportunity to allow the caregiver um, to, to tell the story about when life was good with this person, what we enjoyed mm-hmm. about this relationship, um, what what you know, what life experiences did, did we have? What meaning did this relationship hold for us that maybe we feel is dwindling? You know, and if we're caring for someone who um, is at the end of life, we're we're also not just caring for the caregiver, we're caring for the one who's anticipating a huge grief load. Um, and so giving opportunities, inviting tell me more, tell me more about your relationship with this person. You know, what, what did you love best? You know, where, where were the funny experiences that you had? Um, uh, Tell me, tell me about what brought you the greatest joy. You know, um, what is it that you fear Mm. in the future? Um, What experiences have you had in your life where the past has showed you you've had hope in other past experiences so that you might still lean into that hope for the future. You know, mm, those um, are beautiful questions. What, what, what experiences have you had in the past that have restored your soul? Because mm. really we get right down to it. And that's what a caregiver really desires. I think um, mm-hmm. it has been my experience anyway, is I want to know that there's a place where I can be restored. There's a way for me to experience restoration. And uh, yeah, so I, I know that in facilitating that support group we have at our church, I think the thing that I've enjoyed seeing most has been the, the response to having spent 30 minutes, 45 minutes together, whatever they could spend together, um, sharing these intimate stories with one another, and then walking away feeling as though they'd left a huge burden behind uh, in that room. Mm-hmm. And 
And that's what we're looking for is an opportunity to know, you know, if I need this grace for today in this moment, Mm -hmm. it will be there for me. Uh, So, yeah. That's that's so, that's just spot on, Laura, that kind of affirmation of to be seen, to be heard, to just be able to know you've got this group that really gets it. Sure, you know, right. not alone. Living, right. They're yeah. maybe living through the same kinds of things or have lived through it. And um and and they're ready to just um give you that thumbs up. You can keep uh moving forward and to give them language about it. That's one mm-hmm. thing I always get excited about when I am in a part of a group like that is is that you discover new language with them, and um, and and you're able to maybe give them new language. You know, to think of just um, the de- the dying process with them. If they're looking at a death process, they're having this anticipatory grief. Sure, and mm-hmm. to help them think about okay, this is what anticipatory grief feels like I'm not losing my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's know, so it's, normal, you know, right. we can normalize that. Right. Right. And the fatigue is part of that. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, that they're, For sure. they're just um, doing the daily needs of the person. Mm-hmm. Yet there is this cloud of grief that's hanging over them, which I think just, translates into exhaustion. Remember when my dad was dying, my mom, I'm sure she had no idea what kind of exhaustion she was living in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yet she was so spunky and she just refused almost to um, just even say, you know, I don't, I need this or I need that. Mm -hmm. It was as if she was going to keep, keep moving forward. Sure. And then when finally dad passed, she was so, so exhausted. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. it really, and and I think she would readily agree. It probably took her at least a year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because you're, you're processing what, was coming, the inevitable. Right. And then I've also seen where many people feel this sense of guilt or shame that they're not more sad, that they're not grieving, but they've already been grieving. And I've had to talk with with several um, you know, new widows that that say, I should be feeling this. And it's you know, we, we get that from so many sources, you know, where it's like, no, what you're feeling is okay. You know, it's, there is no shame. There is no guilt of how you quote unquote should be feeling, but you're right, Karen. It takes so long. You're adjusting to a new normal. You're adjusting, um, because that was your whole focus. That it was it was caring for exactly. the person. That's your life. Your whole life is built around this. And so, um, yeah, just walking through the emotions of of grief, of loss. Um, it, it takes time. It takes so much time. 
And that's and, okay. And to name those four folks, too. I mean, sure. they're not only thinking about the loss of the person, but there's other losses mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they're going through. Yeah, their loss of purpose often. Yes. Mm-hmm. And their loss, really, of a partner mm-hmm. doing the financial, <laughs> of the loss of a, a person who may be their play mate, you know, or yep. in in a sense, they grew up together, or they may, um, there's so many losses that mm-hmm. I think it's almost hard for people to begin to name. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I, that's I love- where a good group is mm-hmm. so helpful. Sure. Absolutely. I love this quote from uh, Rosalind Carter. Um, she says, uh, there are only Four kinds of people in the world, those who have been caregivers, those who currently are caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those who will need caregivers. Mm. That's from her book, And Thou Shalt Honor. Um, And so I I wonder about if you're not a caregiver right now, how do you – how do you think ahead? How do you plan it? How do you have those tough conversations? I think even just talking with my husband, um, seeing what my parents are going through with with my grandma, with my dad's mom, um, knowing that there's going to be a come a time where we have to have those tough conversations for our parents. Um, what are some ways that we can have those conversations with our significant other, with our siblings, with those who will someday then care for uh, a family loved one or a friend, uh, a friend that's a loved one. What are, what are ways we can anticipate that? I think for folks who are my good friends, um, who we've lived a lifetime with, we are having those conversations already. Um, where are we as a cluster? Where are we going to end up together supporting each other through those times. Because we can see the handwriting on the wall, whether it be 10 years out, 20 years out, or 30 years out. Well, I doubt if it's 30. Um, <laughs> Don't but, get that away. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. <laughs> um, but we are having those conversations when we take long walks or have luncheons, and we're saying, okay, What's our plan here? And um, how can we do this together? Mm-hmm. So I think to when you are whatever age, when you are in your 50s or 60s, you need to begin to have those conversations. Um, and Joy, even for you in your <laughs> 30s. <laughs> um, Late 30s. You know, yes, well. And, but, it, but, but also... Uh, so yes, those of us in our thirties and forties, right, looking for towards our, our, how we would care for our parents. Uh, you know, my my husband and I, we've had the conversations of what do we feel comfortable with, what what what, how, what would work for us, what would work for our lifestyle, um, and then and then you guys having those conversations. Like when I say you, I'm mean like people like my parents' age would, would have those kind of those conversations too. What are their wishes? What are our wishes? And that's where boundaries to me, that's where boundaries really, you, you have to be able to express this would work for me. This wouldn't work for me. Um, 
I know, for instance, my parents, you know, would consider moving from Michigan to Texas, um, but that would not work for my grandmother, my dad's mom. Um, she would not be able to handle the heat in Texas. And so that just, that's a different setup. It's a, it's a different, um, they, she has different needs. And so I guess that's my, my thought is thinking through that. Um, what would that look like? And what are some options? You don't have to decide right now what 20 years from now is going to look like, but how do we, how do we build towards that? How do we, um, how do we plan towards that? Um, what are the expectations that, and the boundaries that we have to set now that will or will not work for us? Um, but I, I appreciate you saying that Karen, even just you talking amongst your friends of how is that, how can we be there for one another? Um, I see so many people in their seventies and eighties returning to a church, even that they want to have that church community around them, which is fantastic. Um, you know, for some one reason or another, they've strayed away from church for so long and, and they see this, you know, I really need a church family. I need the support and the love in these years. So I, I think one of the ways that um, in this model of care with congregational care ministry, um, if if we could in our churches prioritize the importance of end of life conversations, you know, um, yes. we'll talk about everything else that's important to us in our sure. life. But here, here in this culture, we don't want to talk about end of life because we just don't want to go there until we're we're forced to go there. Um, but if we can develop a program that you could have uh, mm -hmm. and invite persons within the community to come and lead a discussion on end of life choices so that people get a little bit more comfortable having these conversations about how we want to be cared for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just this past weekend, I had a conversation with my uh, fam, one of my family members who um, the family had assumed they knew what this member would want to do at the end of life. Uh, in a private conversation, I simply asked, what is your heart's desire? You know, if, if mm -hmm. you could, if you could truly plan out your end of life, what would it look like? Boy, howdy, what a difference it was. <laughs> it wasn't anything like what the whole family had thought. Sure. And, and so I think we need to give ourselves some leeway, allow ourselves to think about those things. But we, as, as care ministers, can create that. Um, get, getting back to what do we do in the immediate with caring for the caregiver? You know, in some of those listening to the stories of the caregivers, you know, when they revisit, it was wonderful when we, we used to love going to the movies. Um, we used to love going out for ice cream. Um, our favorite dinner place to eat in town was, you know, my, you know, whatever it happened to be. Um, our, our care for the caregiver program started, um, you know, we, we actually created a budget for our congregational care ministry. Maybe that'll be a great topic for, for another podcast, but um, mm -hmm. um, getting your church to set a budget for this ministry because it's so important. But when we would find out that someone was missing those date nights or mm -hmm. those, um, you know, uh, e experiences um, with the person they were caring for, um, we bought we bought a dinner um, and had it delivered from their favorite restaurant. Um, 
we bought a card to allow them to go to Netflix or Amazon or whatever and pull up a video, um, a movie, you know, for a movie night. Um, We've delivered popcorn. I mean, just incredible ways that not that it's trying to replace it never can, but it's an expression of love, you Mm -hmm. know, that that says we were listening. We heard you. Um, we know this is hard and we're here with you and we're not mm. going to forget and we're going to keep lifting you up in prayer. Um, another another way I think that we can, can, can help is offering uh, the resources in the community. There are some facilities that will allow for uh, uh, respite care mm-hmm. in their facility, short time respite care of, you know, five to 10 days. Um, takes a lot of work to get that, but you know, with our resources pulled together, um, we can we can help caregivers get some you know get some time. We can find out who their support system is. You know, what family mm-hmm. members are there, and would they mind us having contact? Because sometimes we can be the mediator or the person that that keeps conversation going, um, so that when we see. Uh, this person who we care for really struggling um, and needing a break. Mm-hmm. Um, we can let family member know that that has to be that has to be um, an agreed upon arrangement, sure. you know, so that we're not breaching confidentiality in any form. But this I do think great. just just for some ideas that I've been been thinking about, but then really stressing these are conversations we can be having with our congregations. Mm-hmm. Now, Absolutely. you know, yeah. Uh, to so when this time comes, sure. maybe there's a support system that's already in place um, yeah. that can be a great of great value. Yeah. Well, thank you. This excellent ideas and um, just wonderful things to think about. Um, I would love to close us in prayer as we especially lift up our caregivers. Great and gracious God, you have called each one of us to the task of caregiving. For some of us, that's right now. For some of us, that's in the future. And for some of us, we will will rely upon um, precious caregivers. And so we lift up all of these to you now. We know that this is not an easy journey. And so God, we ask for your strength, for your mercy, for your peace, for every caregiver for whatever situation our caregivers find themselves in, especially when they they feel they're afraid it will never end and the days are long and, and tough. God, we ask that you give them rest, give them your peace, give them your courage and your compassion, and may they feel supported by the loved ones around them, by the church, by the community, And may we help to care deeply for those who are caregivers. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com, for more resources and information. Also, if you like this episode, please share with your friends and your pastor. Also, be sure to subscribe to this channel and give us a review. Join us next week as we explore further topics on congregational care ministry. 
Until then, may God bless you and keep you.